everyone and welcome to a day in the life podcast brought to you by the University of Leeds Career Service. I'm Leanne and throughout each episode I'll be chatting to employees from a range of industry sectors and backgrounds from craft beer to the civil service. We'll be discovering the ups, the downs and everything in between. Thanks for listening. Hello everyone, welcome to another podcast episode of a day in the life. Today, my guest is Chloe Greaves, who is currently a senior merchandiser for Manchester-based clothing and footwear digital retailer, M Brown Group. M Brown Group are a size-inclusive retailer, focusing on the needs of underserved customer groups. Some of their retail brands include JD Williams, Giacomo and Simply B. They also employ over 1,800 people across the UK. Hi Chloe, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. So M Brown's offices are in the northern quarter, aren't they, in Manchester? Yeah, so they're right in the heart of Manchester, which is really, really good in one way because it's really, really sociable, but bad in another way in terms of like disposable income is very easily spent around this part (laughs) of the city. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can imagine. It's very trendy, isn't it, the northern quarter? There are so many cool bars and shops and cafes. Yeah, there's always a new lunch place, a new place to go for after work drinks. I mean, obviously in COVID that's all stopped, but now that we're back in the office quite a bit more, there's definitely lots of new places to explore and local businesses to support. So yeah, it's it's definitely an exciting place to work for sure. Loads of people get the train in because it's really close to the train station as well. So it's literally perfectly located. <laughs> yeah, amazing location. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So um, one thing about me is I actually went to Leeds University. So this feels really, really nostalgic to me. I studied economics, um, so not necessarily directly related to the job that I'm in now, but definitely elements of it um, transfer really, really well. Um, I absolutely fell in love with Leeds as a city when I came for an open day. It was in the north, which I absolutely love. And then I was part of the business school, so they they did like an exchange programme in the third year. Then I went over to a university called RPI in upstate New York. Must have been amazing. I know, so, so lucky. Um, A lot of people were going into industry and I was like, we've got the rest of our lives to work. Let's do a year (laughs) year abroad instead. So yeah, so I did that, um, graduated in 2012 and then pretty much went straight into retail. I moved down to London, started working for a jewellery retailer called Signet. Um, And then I've pretty much been in this industry ever since. I say that like I've been here a lifetime. It's probably been about 11 (laughs) 11 years total. But yeah, the buzz of retail just kind of kept me in the industry. Oh, amazing. So you've been with um, Brown Group for about five years now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, correct. And what were your previous roles at M Brown before senior merchandiser? So the way that the merchandising function works, and I guess buying is very similar to this. So it's quite a structured career development path. So you start as an admin assistant. You're kind of doing a lot of admin on the day to day and you're working in very much the here and now in terms of getting the stock in the company and seeing what's selling, that kind of thing, and speaking to the warehouse. Um, As you move up through the ranks, the level above that is assistant merchandiser, where you start getting a little bit more into forecasting and looking further ahead in terms of future. Um, And then there's merchandiser and then senior merchandiser. So the way I kind of see it is when you grow and climb the ladder, 
you're looking at a more forward facing view so for mm-hmm. example at the moment I forecast out a year in advance I'm looking for potential opportunities weaknesses threats coming up towards in the future and relaying that down to the team so we can see where we want to grow where we think there's going to be a bit of risk that we need to start assessing so different levels have different roles to it but still all very much part of the day job and really really as important as each other I guess. So you mentioned that you love the buzz of retail and everything and how did you end up merchandising at M Brown Group? How did you find out about the company? So I knew of M Brown through being in Manchester. Um, at uni, I was doing economics, and as we started to, you know, like apply for those grad roles um, that we're all really encouraged to go after, there was just nothing that was getting your attention, and you're seeing what everyone on your course is going after, and you're thinking, "Is that for me? Is that what I want to do?" So I started doing a little bit of research into, okay, how can I keep the numerical and the strategic focus, but maybe in something that I'm a bit more interested in? Um, and shopping as always and clothing and products has always been an absolute vice of mine. <laughs> um, so I just started to look for, were there any roles within like retail and products that could have that financial element to it? Um, and then it kind of fell into merchandising. The path to this meant working at, like I said, in London, a jewellery company. London, I just couldn't get my head around. I just don't think it was the place for me. And I'm from Manchester and I just absolutely am the biggest advocate of the North. Uh-huh. So so moved back up North. I worked at JD Sports for a little while. And then M Brown had always been on my radar. But just in terms of like the growth opportunities that they could provide, the development where they as a business were heading it was just all sounded so exciting and yeah five years later still here and working through so it's absolutely flown by Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like I've been here that long but there's just so much going on no day is ever the same and it's just like I say it's the buzz of retail like it's a little bit of like an addiction I think in a way that you get addicted to the buzz of it and the thrill of it and you know when you predict that best-selling style or your team's working really really well it's just such a good feeling that I think it's something that keeps you coming back and motivating yeah oh do you know what I used to work in retail oh did you and it is such a buzz and it's just constantly moving and changing and there's always so much to be doing pretty much all at the same time (laughs) yeah that's the thing like I would say I've never ever in this role been bored like you know you get those friends who are like oh I'm counting down the hours till the end of the day and it's something that I've never experienced I just really can't relate to it because (laughs) there's always something to be looking at or something to be focused on a new trend coming out so like you say it really really is that there's always something to be doing which is it's great I love that you're a champion of the north as well (laughs) it sounds like (laughs) you really listen to your instincts and you know what does and doesn't feel right for you. Um, am I okay to ask what it was about London that didn't work or or maybe why Manchester did? So I think I'd moved to New York and the city was just such a good place and there's just so much going on and I had such a great time there and it just allowed us to explore. And There was a few of us that went from Leeds, so it was just a really good community that we had. Moving down to London, I moved down during like when the Olympics were on in 2012, I think it was. So I think I moved down in the summer when like the <laughs> tourism in the city was at an all-time high. I think it's just so big and I just think I couldn't get my roots there and then alongside navigating a new job it just all felt a bit too much for me personally I know a lot of friends who were down there so it wasn't particularly like the job or anything like that I gave it a good shot and a bit of time but then I just knew that it just 
it probably wasn't where I was going to be long term. And I think once I get something in my head of where I want to be long term, I go with that gut instinct. So it felt like quite a big shake up for me to have moved down and then moved back um, within the year. But it, it just felt like that felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, no, that's really refreshing to hear, actually, because I think there is this expectation that you go to London and you stay there because it's London. Why would you leave? Yeah. But yeah, it's it's not for everybody. And it's great that you went with that feeling and made the right decision for yourself to move somewhere you felt good about. I fully agree with that because a lot of the jobs are in London. So it feels like odds are in your favour if that's where you segment your career search to and that's where you really like zone in on. Um, and I think me moving back just made me realize that there's so many other places you could move or do things to not even just within like the UK there's places within Europe and whatnot that you could explore so I think me moving back even though it was back to my hometown made me realize that there were so many more places and I was so focused at the time in uni I remember my job search I was just so preoccupied with I have to get a job and I have to get it within this time frame and it has to be pretty much in London because that's where people are going for jobs but I think when I made that decision I probably did it in a I need a job more than I need to think about where I need to be and what's best for me so it was a good learning experience in a way and I wouldn't change it I think given my time again I just think about it as a bigger picture rather than just hooray we've got a job because that that panic in your last year it sets in doesn't it at a certain point (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely and some people are more flexible than others some people can just uproot and just go where the jobs are yeah um but what does a typical day look like for you at m brown group so a lot of what our day job entails is how we're trading at the moment and what things we need to do in the future to either accentuate that and really dive into that or whether we need to pull back risk from areas that are underperforming. So a lot of it depends on how we're currently trading in the market. So every day is slightly different. Um, I would say my job is always really collaborative. So it's always loads and loads of teamwork, lots of analysing data, making sure that everyone is interpreting that in the same way. And we're, we're going through as a collective to make sure that we're all on the same page as to where we think we need to go after or where we need to pull back on um there's a lot of meetings I'm not going to lie in terms of (laughs) (laughs) in the day job but I think that's more as we transition back out of the world of everyone's on Microsoft Teams at the moment and whereas pre-COVID we used to be really really collaborative environment so yeah there's just a lot of checking in with people how are we trading is it good or bad like for example at the moment as we're ramping up to Christmas and the weather's turning um, it's a lot about how's our winter product performing and there's been loads of freight delays and shipping delays and how have we been affected by that and what impact is that having on our sales do we need to look at either cancellations or do we need to be deferring that do we need to change something up about it with the Christmas product that we're bringing in how we're performing is there anything close to home that is working really really well and when I say close to home like from a sourcing perspective so you know something that's working well that we can buy more of or is there anything we need to do in terms of like promoting in the market to make sure we're in line with competitors so it's a lot of different things but it all tends to be around like promotions trading in terms of sales performance and where our stocks are they're the main things at the moment especially around Christmas and winter so it depends on the day and it depends on the time of year obviously as we move into January it will quickly turn to where's the summer sock where's sandals how are our day dresses performing Um, so it's very much dependent on the actual time that you're in (laughs) Totally, yeah. I remember that about retail. You you just never stop asking yourself questions. Even if you're performing incredibly well, 
sales are through the roof, you know, you're still constantly saying, well, what else can I do? It is just constantly reviewing your performance, isn't it? And learning how to reflect and push forward. But yeah, it sounds that you need to have strong teamwork skills, really good communication and a clear mind for analysis and just, you know, predicting the future movements of the business. Yeah, definitely. I think there's definitely all that skill set. And I think one thing that's really important that you you can't really teach anyone is just that enthusiasm for it and Mm -hmm. that thirst for knowledge because you have to be so curious all the time. Like one of the M brand values is driven by curiosity and it's very much on either you to be looking at what is working well what's not working well you know this little glimmer of a nugget that I found that's something that's a really good opportunity I need to be bringing that to meetings and you know I've I've driven that myself in terms of I've seen that that's an opportunity I've looked into what the market are doing and I'm going to bring that up so there's a lot of that drive and and curiosity like I say and just that enthusiasm I think you engage people so much more when you're really interested in what you're doing and I think that was what was really important to me in terms of not going down I mean from an economics point of view I would say a lot of my course went straight into audit um, and I just knew that was probably something that I wasn't going to be jumping <laughs> out of bed um, to you know be really excited about in the morning and not that there's anything wrong with that that just wasn't where I saw my passion and where I wanted to go with my career yeah and it's like we were saying you know what's right for you and it sounds like you've landed in a position that you really are enthusiastic about and it seems like you really embody the enthusiasm that you need for this role yeah and on that note what are some of your favorite parts of the job for you or some of the highlights oh I think definitely the fact that no day is the same just because you're never bored there's always something to be doing and I think from friends who like I say I've been in that clock watching mentality and don't really enjoy their job or like don't get the same buzz out of it as me I mean don't get me wrong there's highs and lows of retail but that's all part of it and that's where I think there's like that's where I think in some way it must be a slight addiction to it (laughs) (laughs) because it can really flip from one to the other I think what I find really interesting is I actually love the team side of it and how much you're collaboratively working. In uni, when you used to do those projects where you work in a team, I'd say that they would probably weren't my strength. So I find it quite interesting now that I love that element of my job. Yeah. But it's just so interesting to learn other people's views. And I think that's where I've grown in experience just through seeing how other people look at things. And I think that's always an absolute great way to learn, especially with people who have more experience than me or have been in these situations before. It's just a really good learning bed for passing of knowledge and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting that you learn to really enjoy doing something that you didn't love so much at uni, such as collaboration, that, you know, in a different environment, you learn to appreciate it more. Yeah, I think it's seeing the bigger picture with it sometimes. I don't know if when I was in those projects and you couldn't quite understand why you'd been paired together or what each other would bring and it it always ended up where someone would be that clear team leader (laughs) and they'd be that one person who turned up every now and again who wasn't very present who everyone agreed that we weren't going to let them pull our mark down (laughs) but I think now that like like I say it's every single day and you know that you're a big part of a bigger operation you're a big cog in that and because you have such a personal relationship with the people you work with and you truly do feel like a team it's where you don't want to let those people down yeah just a different context sometimes can change your frame of mind and you can truly understand that the part that you play in delivering that result and I think 
that's where it's really clicked for me in industry where you get those live examples to be like oh okay this is what I've done and this is a direct output of that and I think sometimes don't get me wrong (laughs) the output's not always been the best or the results not always been the best but then you learn from that and I think that's a really healthy thing to realize that not everything you do will be right first time and that's okay (laughs) because I think it took me a long time to realize that in industry I think I thought even though I've only been in this industry for three months, six months, two years, I thought I should have all the answers. And even now I would say that I don't. Yeah, it definitely humbles you, doesn't it? Even if you've worked somewhere for quite a while, everyone's still figuring it out. I think everyone you speak to, they'll probably say the same thing. I mean, I'm still figuring out how to produce a podcast series. (laughs) What are some of the more challenging parts of working in retail, would you say? think it would be the flip side of what I've just mentioned like you obviously have those highs where you feel such a buzz when things go right but then it's so difficult to take the personal side of it out of it when things go wrong and I think that's what's been over the last 10 years the biggest learn for me is you will do things that are right and you will do things that are wrong but it's how you take the lessons learned from them. So, you know, with products, it's opinion-based, isn't it? You can look at the trends and you can look at everything, but if something you buy doesn't land very well, it's really easy to be like, oh, could we have done that differently? Should we have spotted that up front? And I think with retail being 24-7, it's really easy to stay switched on all the time and it feels like the job's never done. Um, So I think that's where it's really important within retail to really have those, set those boundaries for yourself and protect yourself from that because I think sometimes over the years it's really difficult to get into that ability to switch off I think that's the downside you know you you have those buzzes and you're never bored but then it's that the flip side of that is well where do I actually draw the line here and that's when when the, the day job stops and I think I think that's definitely a challenging aspect of it I think just in terms of like everything that's going on in the world at the moment all like the shipping crisis and there's there's, um, electric shortages in China. There's just so much going on. That's the impact of COVID that you never know what's coming next. So I think it's just getting those tasks and thinking, never dealt with this before. (laughs) There's no one who really has ever had an experience of this, but let's all think of what's the best way out of that. And I think that's where the teamwork throughout COVID and at the moment is just at an all time high because everyone is clubbing in together to be like right we're in this predicament we didn't know it was happening and we couldn't have ever forecast it but let's all come up together with what we do to get out the other side gosh yeah it must have been a really challenging time for retail throughout the pandemic and you know what you were saying about failure as well I think it's actually a massive skill to overcome failure and learn to be resilient you know just to sit down and have a think about what you've learned and take that forward yeah definitely I think it's just because no one ever likes to do something wrong do they no one ever purposely ever sets out with that intention so I think when it happens it's really difficult to step back from it and not take that personally even outside of work even in anything and I think that that's where the learnings come, I guess, with experience. In my case, what I've kind of realised is you take a call on it and, and, you know, it might be right, it might be wrong, but it's what you do once you make that call as to did that work, did it not work? It's then how you react to that, which is the most important bit, because, you know, if you could do things right and right and right. You don't learn from that. You learn from what's gone wrong. OK, well, what do we change for next time? 
And I think for me, the biggest bit that I've learned is then when something's gone wrong. Yeah, definitely. And it's a rubbish feeling, isn't it? No one likes to fail, but it's important to learn how to fail. You know, you might be in a bad mood for a bit because something hasn't gone as planned, but it's learning how to just snap out of it as well and carry on with your day and not let it affect the other parts of your job and And also not let it affect the working environment for your colleagues too. And I think there's a reason that employers ask that question in interviews. Tell us a time you've failed, you know. It's not because they want to hear a story about when you've messed something up. It's, you know, they want to hear the result of that situation. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think you learn more about someone in in hardship, don't you, than you do when it's all going well. So I definitely understand that one. But I think (laughs) when you're that person being interviewed, you don't understand and you're in that much of a, oh my God, what do I say? That's going to show them that I have failed, but not badly enough that they think they won't trust me with the role. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a horrible question. It is a horrible question, but it's good to have a few examples up your sleeve. You know, we're all human. It's happened to all of us at some point. And, you know, what you were saying about not being able to switch off, do you ever find that when you go out shopping, you're still very much in work mode? Do you kind of assess the shops in the same mind frame that you do at work? Or can you separate the casual shopping experience from the working? one yeah I think that's a really good question Matt so I work on footwear at the moment so whenever I shop footwear I'm constantly like screenshotting on my phone being like this is such a good boot or a shoe like we haven't done anything like this like this is definitely something we need in the range and isn't this and then there's some stuff that I'm like oh my god we've got this boot coming in and they've marked it down what do we do (laughs) is it going to be product failure um so I think on because I work on footwear, I'm really much in that mindset on footwear. On clothing, less so. I used to work on menswear, which I thought was, for me, the absolute ideal in terms of balance of being able to switch off, just mainly because I don't buy menswear. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it depends on your interest in that product. But I, I think what actually works well in retail is if you are interested in that product, I think it can do better for your day job just because when you are shopping, you're getting all that inspiration. So I think it definitely opens your eyes to like, looking through you know the trends that you see coming out and you're like "Mm, I'll put that on the shopping list yeah I remember when I used to work in retail I would go I would go around all the shops and just start tidying the rails you know I'd be like these hangers are a mess I'm just (laughs) gonna sort it out and then I can carry on with my day (laughs) I'm pretty sure like some of my team don't like when I go on the website on a weekend because we, we all get really encouraged to make sure we're shopping the website as a customer you know we're looking for anything that might be broken or just things that don't really look right and whenever I spot those it tends to be on a Sunday morning when I've just made a brew before I start my day and then I'm like firing through screenshots to my buying team being like this doesn't look right or you know I'm sure this is waterproof but it doesn't say it in the copy so I'm pretty sure she um, will potentially block me on WhatsApp one day but uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's all good you're obviously passionate about your job that's all it is What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about working in the retail sector? So I have been talking to my team about this because I was like, I'm just getting a gauge of what theirs are. And I think the person to answer for the most is Rachel Green from Friends. <laughs> um, because she was a buyer, wasn't she? And it just, she made it out very, very glamorous lifestyle, shopping, just in an office, like 
making decisions. I think it, it's not as glamorous as I think um, TV shows, Devil's Wears Prada, oh, yeah. anything like that makes it out to be. There's a lot more skill in it than people potentially perceive with it being retail and there's that thing of it just being shopping for your day job kind of thing. That's definitely the biggest one I would say. Retail is really hard. Probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. I mean, I wasn't in buying. I was managing a shop, but it was really hard. So it is frustrating when people assume that it's easy. I I explained it when we were talking about my team. It feels like you're a mini project manager in a way. Mm -hmm. Because you're touching on that many different aspects of the business that you think, oh, like I look after products and that's what I do. But no, you speak to marketing to make sure that the product that we've got, that's what we're, you know, we're shooting, we're sending to influencers, you know, that's the product we're really getting behind in terms of pushing out to the world in terms of showing that's what we offer. You're then speaking to the warehouse in terms of, okay, so I've got my product through with marketing. Um, now I need to make sure it's in stock. <laughs> so like, where is it in the shipping cycle? Is it on a vessel? Is it on its way? Is it docked? When's it due into the warehouse? When's it going to be able to be put in a pickable location? You're then speaking to the supplier to say, where is that in the production line? Have you bought the materials? You know, have you labeled it? Is it all ready to be sent out on time? You're then speaking to like the trading teams in terms of, okay, so something's coming and done really, really well. What do we need to do about that in terms of repeats? Do we need to get some more in? Or if it's not working, do we need to start looking at giving that a bit more exposure or potentially marking that down if we think it just truly is a product myth? So I think that there's a lot going on for the view that you thought, I'll just come in and look at that product. And yeah, that, that's, that's what I do. So it's it's very difficult, I think, for me to explain to my friends what I do on a daily basis. Because one's a teacher, one works in insurance, and one's an auditor. So it's quite self-explanatory titles. And I think people, when I'm like, oh, you know, there's a lot going on at work at the moment, they're like, what do you mean? Don't you just buy products? I'm like, no, tell them to listen to this podcast yeah. and then they'll get a good idea of what you do. <laughs> Have you learned anything surprising about yourself, though, just through being in that position of merchandiser and buyer? I think the, the biggest thing is just in terms of like how much I love the teamwork side that I thought I would. That's something that I absolutely love and can't believe I used to think like that. <laughs> so I think that's probably the biggest thing I've learned about myself. I think one thing that the job has definitely done for me is in terms of building my confidence. So I remember when I started out and I think it was a bit of a, you know, coming out of uni, not quite knowing what I wanted to do. And I, like I say, a lot of people go into different careers than I potentially took out than I did with my economics degree. And so I think in that first year, I always felt like a bit of an imposter, like I hadn't done the most relevant degree to this. So was I really the best qualified person to be in this role? And did I deserve it kind of thing? But I think over the years, it's just made me think a lot of it is transferable skills. And a lot of it is things that you can be taught with the right attitude. So I think me realising that really built my confidence to be like, okay, I might not know that. And I might have not had the the degree that went with that. But I know I've got the passion for it. And I know I I can put in the the work. I'm really self-sufficient so I can go and find that out on my own and I don't need this tick box of this specific degree in order for me to do well in this industry and I think me realizing that really made me feel a lot more confident over the years you know what I think just hearing that I hope that some of the listeners do relate and there is still a real misconception about not being able to go for certain roles because you don't have a degree that's directly related to it yeah but it does seem that most employers do accept all degree disciplines these days and actually they encourage people from all backgrounds to apply because I think it just makes for a more diverse workforce as long as like you say they've got the transferable skills and core requirements then yeah 
I think that for me, when I'm hiring someone for my team, obviously you, you can have experience. And I know that I remember looking at jobs being like, oh, you need X amount of experience. I think me and my friends joke about this advert that we saw the other week that was like social media exec or manager or something like that must have like 10 plus years of experience. It's like, has it even been around that long? Like, <laughs> how would you even gain that level of experience? But I think for me, it is much more like the willingness to learn that I look for in people when I'm, I'm recruiting for my team. And also just that thirst and desire to just do a really good job. I think you can get taught the skill side of it, but if you don't have certain attitude towards it, I think for me, that's what shines across in any interviews more so than, you know, I've done work experience here or or anything like that. I think it's that attitude. And I think that's what you can really see in someone and you can really get that good vibe from. And I think for me going into this industry, I wish I'd have known that then because I really felt like, oh God, like is someone thinking that? what have we done taking her on or taking a risk or something like that because you do think that you have to know the answers whereas in reality it takes for a good few years for you to properly like understand that industry yeah definitely imposter syndrome is a huge thing and hopefully hearing that some potential applicants might not worry so much and hopefully people will just go for some of the roles it you're advertising or whoever else is advertising that you know they might not have thought they were capable of and on that note as some of our listeners may well be on the search for jobs at the moment is there anything you wish you would have known before you started the career at M Brown Group? Oh, there's a few ways of looking at this, isn't there? That's a good question. <laughs> I think in terms of applying for a role, you know, the whole application process, I would say make sure you understand, like when you're reading the job spec and you're thinking, is this for me, is it not for me? Read it through and then just Google a few examples of what that job either relates to what you think you'd be doing. Because I think, especially to that point where if you've not necessarily got the relevant experience or degree to go into that, I think having a really good understanding of that role and what you'll be doing even being able to play that back in your interview to be like the reason why I've come for this and I'm passionate about this is a reasons for the company I've done my research but two in terms of the actual job what I think I'll be doing on a day-to-day or what I understand the job to be is this this, and this which I'm really interested in it for that reason I think you can really do that digging and make yourself stand out even in the application process. I think that's something that sounds so simple to do, but when you're applying and you get caught in those, answering the questions and looking for all the job adverts, I think you can easily distract yourself away from doing that bit that I think is really, really important. Um, so that would definitely be my top tip in terms of applying and just making sure you fully understand with what you're going for. In terms of like interviews and stuff like that, I honestly think it's just getting across your ability and, and you want to learn and you desire to want to do that job. I think in interviews, it's so easy to get so, so nervous about what they're going to ask you. But when you're graduating, you've got all of those skills, but you've not quite put them into practice just yet. So I think trying as hard as it is to do it, because I've been there myself, you have to take the nerves out of it because they're not there to trip you up. They genuinely just want to get a vibe of what are you like? Do you know already? And if you don't know it, that's absolutely fine. How would you work well on that team? And sometimes I think myself, I used to go to the grad placement days and be so nervous and so insular and worried about someone asking me a question that I actually wasn't myself. And I can understand why in certain situations they might have been like, oh, how would she work well on the team? Because that's not what I would have been like. (laughs) I I think like it's so easy to get wrapped up in those nerves. But in any way you can just try and normalise the situation. You've gone for that job. They want people in that job. So you've got a common interest. (laughs) That's really good advice. And just to practice interviews as well, the more you practice doing them, the more confidence you have. And yeah, really good advice about researching the company. 
you know, you can tailor your CV, you can tailor your cover letter and just make sure the employer really knows that you're interested in their company yeah. and that you've personalised it a little bit. I think it, it makes people stand out, doesn't it? Yeah, there's quite a few people who I know have come to merchandise it in, in terms of in the interview and then we've kind of dug into why they think they want the role and it's clear they just don't understand <laughs> but, but I think it's quite apparent when someone's just like sent out a load of CVs and they're just trying to see where that hits when someone's actually took the time and gone look I really I know there might be some bits of this that I, I don't 100% have relevant experience for or know the most about but let me tell you what I'm really good at and what I'm really really interested in and I hope to bring a bit of that passion and excitement to the role and I think that stands out if you do that for say five jobs as opposed to sending cvs out to 30 ones that are just blanket i think you'll find a better hit rate on those five that you take the time to do that on brilliant advice thanks so much chloe for all of your absolute gems of wisdom and (laughs) the insights that you've had as a senior merchandiser at m brown group It's been really, really great to chat to you and just to get to know a little bit more about your role. And am I right in thinking that M Brown Group are currently recruiting? Yeah, so we have placement roles across the business. So I know we have placement grad roles that will be starting as a sandwich year. We tend to start those in October, but I think they're open to apply now. Um, And we tend to do the assessment days in either November or December. So definitely check that out. They're across multiple functions as well. So if merchandising isn't your thing, you've got like buy-in, you've got product innovation in there, you've got partnerships. They're, They're all across the business. And the great thing is we make sure that those people who come in through grad placement, they they kept in close contact with each other. You know, so you might not necessarily be in a different function, but you know someone there and you can learn from their experience, which I think is great. And then we also have quite a few admin roles um, across buying and merchandising as well, which straight out of uni will be perfect to go into. And just in terms of like learning industry and getting a feel like, is it for you? Is it not for you? Just in terms of what a day-to-day office job is like and what it entails. So yeah, there's definitely those check out the website we've got Kira Tully who's an excellent um, talent lead from the placement side and then you've got myself as well if you want to send me a message on LinkedIn and I'm happy to you know point you in the right direction that's absolutely perfect brilliant yeah well if that's okay with you I'll include your LinkedIn details just in the write-up of this episode so for anyone listening they can find them in the summary of this podcast yeah absolutely I'll definitely have a soft spot for anyone else from economics who wants to transition (laughs) just through personal experience (laughs) thanks very much for your time today Chloe it's been really fun to chat to you yeah absolutely welcome Leeds has definitely got a special place in my heart just because of my time there and I absolutely loved it thank you so much for having me it's been so nice to talk to you hope you enjoyed today's episode of a day in the life join me next week for our final episode in which i'll be getting insight into what it's really like to work for the civil service with my guest ellie chambers i thought everyone would be the same or have gone to the same sorts of schools or universities i thought everyone would know loads more about politics than me and that is completely wrong as well if you haven't already do check out our other episodes i'll include a link to all of them in today's summary thanks for listening everyone and see you next week